the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things nutrition, fitness, and health related. I'm your host, Brandon, joined by my co-host and producer, Joe. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah, you, you survived Snowmageddon? I mean, so we're in the worst of it right now. We recorded Friday morning. There's snow on the ground, and everything's canceled, and the roads were kind of fine by us. Yeah, it looked okay by me, too. The parking lot in the mall, I, I had to fight the urge to do donuts. I didn't. I'm a grown-up <laughs> now, but I really wanted to. Straight up looks like a scene <laughs> from Frozen. So today's a special episode. It's episode 21. Yeah. Which means... Fire Within Podcast can drink. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was at 9 a.m. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we start early around here. Today's a fun episode. Finally, we're going to tackle some information on strength training. Yeah, so we do the whole episode doing our best Hans and Franz impressions. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like to bump. I feel like that's my understanding of weight training. Like <laughs> I'm Dana Carvey pretending to know what I'm doing when I go into a gym and there's weights. I'm like, <laughs> this goes here. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started, um, the buddy who got me into strength training, Dominic, out in Little Washington, we would get on all the machines the wrong way on purpose. <laughs> there's this one like uh, ab machine where you stand out it's like a t and you stand on the t we would get on it backwards so essentially it just looks like you're being really inappropriate with the machine but they never kicked us out yeah you can always tell at the gym just by like eye contact who else doesn't know what the heck they're doing so i, I kind of wanted to talk about you know the different methods of putting a strength program together some of the misconceptions overtraining corrective movements we'll cover a little bit of all of that Lily Ward, who was on an episode a couple episodes back, she's a woman who is in shape and works out at the gym hard. And she was mentioning how a lot of women, and you brought this up before, have that that fear that if I move heavy weights, I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the 90s. You can't do that by accident. It's a (laughs) tremendous amount of effort and very specific meal plan and sometimes two and three a days. I love the idea, though, that there's these accidentally buff people walking around. I didn't mean to. I just, it was five or six times I went to the gym in January, and now I'm huge. <laughs> I'm swole. No, it can't happen by accident. But uh, so moderate strength training, keep you healthy, helps burn fat. What do you call moderate? I would say two to three times a week of around anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour okay. of strength training. I would call that moderate strength training. And so that's probably what most people who are afraid that they're going to get big and bulky are doing anyways. And it's impossible to bulk up doing that. I mean, well, it depends on what type of methods you're using. It would be an overhaul, right? It's not, the point is nobody's doing them by accident. You'd be, you'd be lasered in on your nutrition. You'd be doing everything different in your life to become a bodybuilder, basically. I mean, in in that amount of time, you'd have to be doing like Mike Menser uh, style. He's a big, he was a big bodybuilder. It's like almost bone breaking. A couple things with strength training is if you're starting and you've never done it before, how do you know what the heck makes the most sense? To start with, people are like, do I use machines or do I use free weights? And the truth is they're both great. You know, if you're a beginner and you don't have guidance or a trainer, machines might be a good idea because they're going to help guide your ranges of motion. Because I know I, I have very poor spatial awareness. I actually have a deficiency in my brain. So I was diagnosed with spatial recognition problem very early on. So like I suck with, with like geometry and things like that mm. and reading a map. And so it takes a long time, a lot of coaching and a lot of practice for me to get body movement. 
like me and Michelle just started dancing. Uh, I feel so bad for her. <laughs> but but I do learn. But if you don't have access to a trainer, then, then I think machines are a safer way to start for a lot of people because they're going to guide every part of your range of motion so long as you set it up correctly. If I could choose, I like free weights better. I think you get more stabilizer muscles and things like that, but they're both good for you. The next thing to figure out is which muscle groups, what are the most important? Well, I'd say it depends on your goals. You know, if one of your goals is just general strength and conditioning or weight loss, it doesn't make sense to do an entire row of bicep machines. <laughs> you want to work your largest muscle groups, which your legs are going to give you the most progress. Those are your largest muscle groups. So you're going to be tearing more muscle fiber, which will build up stronger and have a, uh, more impact on your metabolism. So let's talk about that tearing of the muscle fiber real quick. This isn't like injury. These are micro tears, and that's what strength training does is it creates micro tears. So when you're working out, you're actually breaking your body down, not getting stronger. And it's through proper recovery and sleep and nutrition that those micro tears get sent signals, hey, we need to strengthen these areas because they receive some stress. Yeah. I think that's a big deal that a lot of people who haven't done the work to, to educate themselves like you have or the other guests that you've had on the show is they think, man, I, I hit the gym today. It's freaking McDonald's time. And now the rest of the day I get to go nuts because it like cancels out. Like, like how some people are like yep. the extreme version of like, I, I ordered a diet Coke. So now I can eat like crap because <laughs> the diet Coke is going to somehow cancel everything out. When I first started kind of my weight loss journey, you know, I woke up one day, got on the scale, saw 244 pounds. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. I was found out I was pre-diabetic. I saw those pictures on social media. The seatbelt was cutting into me. And when I first started, I actually would do that. I would go to the gym at East Carolina University. It was an awesome facility. And I spend 45 minutes to an hour and a half there. And then literally I would cross the street to Arby's and go, I, I deserve this. And I would get a giant roast beef sandwich, curly fries, and Dr. Pepper. The actual recovery, the part that's beneficial for your body is the sleep, is the nutrition. And so a lot of people might be doing what you're, you were doing or what a lot of us have done in the past and essentially negating the workout, Yeah, yeah which exactly. is a bummer. I think you mentioned on another episode a while back, like the best thing for strength training is actually your sleep. Because, you know, intense repair only happens during deep sleep. Uh, so if you're negating that part, your gains are going to come slower, your metabolism increase, your fat loss, all that's going to be negated. And you're also going to be accelerating towards injury. Because remember, when you work out, you're tearing down, you're breaking down your body. And without the recovery aspect, you're coming closer and closer to injury. So with the micro tear thing, what exactly happens? Is the micro tear in healing is that what adds size? Correct. It grows back larger because, because of why? The body senses that stress, and it's going to start putting a bunch of nutrients and proteins and things in that area to reinforce it. So what we want to do through strength training is create a moderate amount of stress, enough to signal that increase in strength, but not so much that you get injured. So it, you got to find a balance. You can overdo it and get injured. But if we do the right amount, which is that usually that 8 to 12 rep range for most people, finding a weight that fatigues them in that rep range is going to be pretty safe. That's what allows them to, to grow muscle steadily and increase their metabolism without getting injured. As long as they're listening to their body and, and also including correctives, which we'll talk about a little later. Now, there's another way we get stronger, not just through muscle building, but it's uh, called neuromuscular facilitation. In other words, getting more efficient at firing the right types of muscles in the right order. 
So some of the strength gain when you first start a program is not from gaining muscle. It's just the neurological efficiency of, of being able to contract at the right times and activating the right muscle. So the first six weeks of strength training, you should see pretty massive increases in the types of weight that you can lift. That's neuromuscular related, not building muscle. Uh, but then over time, you start to build a little more and more muscle. What about, because I remember like years and years ago, I jumped on the fad with P90X with everybody else with Tony Horton. And he talked a lot about muscle confusion. <laughs> That's where you, you uh, work your triceps and go, psych, and then you work your biceps. <laughs> <laughs> Confused you. So uh, muscle confusion, I think there is some validity to that. I think there should be variety in your workouts. And you shouldn't be training the exact same things every single time you go in without fail. Now, there's different ways to create some quote-unquote muscle confusion. One is actually changing the exercises and working different angles and different types of muscles. But another thing you can do is just change the intensity. So increasing weight, that's muscle confusion. Shortening your rest period, doing different rep ranges, focusing on different parts of the lifts and elongating the amount of time or the tempo. So there's so many different ways to create that without, so you're not actually like trying to shock and confuse your muscles with crazy changes. So I'm, I'm marketing minded. That's kind of what I've spent a lot of my life doing. And I remember thinking when watching P90X for the first time, of course you need to confuse our muscles because you have to sell us the next course. I'm just very, <laughs> I'm very cynical. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. I'm doing that show her off dance course online. It's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. I recommend it. Show her off dance course. Yeah. Yeah. I got it on for Valentine's Day and we've been doing it a couple nights, but it's a freaking blast. You learn to dance in your living room because I'm super self-conscious. I don't like to dance in public. Yeah. Like even at prom, I never danced. And, but this is awesome. It's in your living room. It's this guy. He's shows you how to do it. You have a good time. But they're like, we're going to look at these A column moves and we're going to look at these B column moves. We're not going to talk about C column moves. That's going to come out in the next course. <laughs> you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> but that's where the cool people are. <laughs> that's where the cool people are. I think variety is important because your body gets more and more efficient at creating the same movements with the same weights and you're going to get less and less from that yeah. um, if you don't change it up. So the idea of doing the same workout three times a week is probably a very inefficient way to go about it. Correct. It's better than not working out because you're still helping with blood sugar and you're still maintaining some strength. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll still get some benefit. So you said like moderate strength training, three times a week-ish, two times a week-ish, half an hour or more. How in the heck do you know where to start? What groups of muscles should you do? Which but The largest muscle groups are the most important. Uh, legs are your number one. So that's your quadriceps in the front, your hamstrings, glutes in the back. Also your chest and your back. So if you only have 15 minutes, make sure you hit those three groups, your legs, your chest, and your back. So for your legs, you have anterior or the front, and you have posterior, which is the back. In the anterior, your major muscle group is your quadriceps. And squats are the number one way to do that. Now, let's say you're not comfortable with the biomechanics of a squat, which everybody should, I think, at least have their squat form checked out by a trainer, because if your knees are collapsing inwards, you could be creating huge stresses on those joints and cause injury later on. Or if your back is folding over before the hips go backwards, that can create low back issues. So you, you would want to check and make sure your squat form is okay. Uh, you know, probably a safe way to train it is just sit in a chair and stand back up without using your hands. And that'll coach, that'll help coach proper squat form. And that's where leg press or a machine that puts you in the right positions could be really helpful. Although I'm not a fan with leg extensions 
which is where a bar goes over your shins and you kick up. I think a lot of people could overload their kneecaps with that if they don't know what they're doing. That's not my favorite method. Uh, but I think a leg press, if, if the form is set up correctly, is a great way to train your quads. It'll also recruit your hamstrings and glutes too. Now for the posterior muscles, the deadlift is going to be your, your go-to. A, a leg press is also going to work your hamstrings and glutes. Glute raises, hip bridges, those types of things are, are going to work those muscles. So how do you know where to start with the weight? Earlier you mentioned 8 to 12 reps to fatigue. Right. So is it just guess and check? Yeah. When you first start, it is trial and error. Start lower than you think you can handle and get through the end of the rep range first. Because a lot of people will do three reps and go, oh, this is easy. No, no, no. Finish the set first. Take your 60 seconds and try a second set with that weight. And a lot of times you'll find you can't get through that second set. So you either, so it's probably need to back off. But I like to start in that 8 to 12 rep range. So what you'll do is you'll guesstimate what you think you can do 8 to 12 reps with, with perfect form. That's a really important caveat. It's not just moving the weight from point A to point B, 8 to 12 reps. It's how many of those can you do a perfect form. And if you could do it engaging the right muscles without compensation, and let's say you get to 14 mm. It's too, it's too light. You can add a little bit of weight. What's a great place to to get some examples of perfect form that you kind of go to when showing people? I mean, when you're training people, you just demonstrate, which is the best case scenario. Yeah. They're like great YouTube resources. There are. That you like? I mean, and I would check a few sources because everybody has a slightly differing opinion. Uh, number one rule is if it hurts, don't do it. Even if you're doing it exactly like a YouTube video says and, and you match them exactly, your biomechanics might be a little bit different. If you feel something that doesn't feel right, stop immediately. Mm. Uh, but I think YouTube is a great resource. I love Jeff Cavalier, Athlete X. I think he's got the best stuff out there. National Academy of Sports Medicine probably has some videos out there. ACE, American Council on Exercise. But, but yeah, I would, I would definitely check out YouTube. There's apps now, hundreds of apps. But even better would be if you can get some live coaching from a person. Most any gym will offer a free consultation. And, and if their trainers aren't complete jerks, even if you're not training with them, they, may, they won't mind just, hey, can you look at my squat form and give me a tip or two? Most memberships to a gym will include a kind of a, a walkthrough where you can check out a couple basic movements. And if you see somebody that's, you know, they've been exercising a long time, they're in good shape and they're injury free, it may not be, it might not hurt to say, hey, can you take me through a few exercises? But with the caveat of listen to your body, if it hurts, don't do it. That is one of those things that it's really easy to tell. I wish the rest of choosing businesses were that easy. I think everybody shops by reviews now, but like when it comes to the personal coaching or something, like if the person who wants to train you is in shape. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a good like, start. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you probably are qualified for yeah. this. <laughs> so if they're wearing a knee brace and they were in crutches last week and then they, you know, they have on an elbow brace, maybe. Yeah. And that's not to say you have to look like a god to know what you're doing, but that would be a good start. Just always remember, listen to your body. If you have any joint pain of any kind, I would stop immediately and reevaluate. Don't finish the set. Don't try and push through the rep. Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook. 
read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. So we start with the legs. Mm-hmm. So how do you know which exercises, like if you're just starting out, what do you, what do you recommend to start with? Yeah, so if it's machines, I mean, the leg press is going to be your go-to. If it's no machines, it's going to be squats and uh, bridges or deadlifts are going to be great as long as you you have that coaching. So if you have a chair, congratulations, you could do squats safely without a spotter because the chair will catch you if your legs give way. And what you would do is push your hips back and try and touch the chair with the backs of your legs or your glutes um, and come up without putting all of your weight. And if you can't get that low, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could just sit down completely and then work on driving primarily through your heels and a little bit through the forefoot to stand back up without using your hands. So you got the weight rep thing figured out. You, you guessed and checked, you know, your eight to 12 rep range for the exercise you want to do. How many sets? How do you figure out? <laughs> How do you structure it? I always tell my clients, keep going until you hate me. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I think I think for most people starting out, two sets is good. Um, then as they start to build endurance and confidence, go to three sets. Now, the other thing you could do is go a little bit lighter on one set just to really focus on form, not trying to hit fatigue, and then do two additional sets with a little bit more weight. That's not a bad idea either. I mean, I would always recommend some sort of warm-up. And the warm-up for me is just three to five minutes of cardio, maybe some very brief stretching. You don't need a half hour warm up routine with foam rolling and all this other nonsense. Uh, first of all, if you stretch too much before exercise, um, your muscles uh, fibers are elongated to an unnatural position they're not familiar with. So you're more likely to get injured. And so I think a little bit of stretching, dynamic stretching, three to five second holds is good, but you don't need this big elaborate 30 to 45 minute routine. I used to do that in my gym workout, take two and a half hours because I'm spending a half hour stretching before, an hour in my workout, and then a half hour after stretching some more. This is nonsense. And for it to be sustainable, I mean, we need to make sure that the, it fits your time requirements. Mm-hmm. So it could be three to five minutes on a rower, three to five minutes of walking, elliptical, jump rope, whatever. But so, so get a quick warm up in and then go to it. So if you're starting at two to three times a, a week for the moderate weight training, how do you know what days to do legs and what day to focus on arms and what day to focus on? I know we shouldn't skip leg day because I have an Instagram account like everybody else. <laughs> so when, uh, people, when people are just starting out, I actually recommend working all their body groups on the same day. Um, for a couple of reasons, you know, they may not have built that routine yet and they may miss some days. So if they do legs and then they miss their chest day, they just miss chest for the entire week. And the more muscle groups we get involved, typically the higher the metabolic effect if weight loss is one of their goals, which typically if somebody's just starting out, that's one of their goals. Now, as you get more advanced, you can start doing split routines where you have an upper body day and a lower body day. And maybe you have a, two of those, or maybe you have a chest and back day, a bicep tricep day, a a, you know, posterior leg day and an anterior leg day. So you can get more and more advanced and do different breakdowns. But just starting out, I would make sure you're hitting legs, chest, and back. And if you have time and energy after, hit biceps, triceps, and then always try and get some corrective work for your shoulders, especially. So what's the corrective work look like? So correctives are, they're still strength training technically, uh, but we're working on smaller muscle groups that are much more concerned with full range of motion, perfect form, even more so than I am with the general strength training, although you should always be focused on that. Rotator cuff is probably the most commonly injured thing for, for all Americans or 
because we have forward rounded shoulders from texting and being seated all the time and things like that. And so exercises that help the rotator cuff or there's something called band pull-aparts where you could literally take an elastic band in front of you. And as you pull it apart, you're rotating your thumbs backwards, like throwing your thumb over your shoulder to hitchhike when squeezing your shoulder blades together. And what we're trying to do there is strengthen all the external rotators. Remember, we're too internally rotated, which causes impingement in the shoulder, which eventually can lead to tears and surgeries. So we want to reverse that with that band pull apart. So, so I love that exercise. Uh, face pulls is a fantastic exercise, probably a little complicated to explain over over um, a podcast and you'd need a video, but uh, I think face pulls, external band rotations is pretty common. Some more of your physical therapy type exercises. And when you're doing the corrective type exercises, are you focusing on eight to 12 reps or is it different? Typically I may go to like 12 to 15. I want to be going lighter and I want to be focused on full range of motion and perfect form. So because they're smaller, more endurance-based muscle groups, yeah. we'll typically bump it to 12 to 15. I think one of the things I had no idea of knowing before I started working with a personal trainer, Brandon, you trained me, is uh, like that there is a progression that's in your mind that I didn't know where we were heading. And so now that we've been working out together for a while, like we're, we're starting to do different types of workouts. And I find that the corrective exercises come in a sequence at the point we're at in our training where I'm already pretty burnt. So like 10 to 12 doesn't feel like it's easy at that point. Right. Because we've already done some heavyweight stuff and we've done some midweight stuff and there's just not a lot left in that muscle group. So if you're wondering like, oh, what the heck is the difference it's going to make? Like I always find the corrective ones to be like some of the more challenging parts. Oh yeah. Um, and that's if, if you place them at the end of the workout, I like to place them at the end. What are some of the benefits of the correctives like long-term for your health? So, you know, we described that internal rotation causing impingement and, and muscle tears, labrum issues, tendon issues. So we're preventing that. So you're, you're helping your spine health. You're helping. Basically, it keeps you in the game longer so that you can continue exercising because we all have imbalances and nobody has no imbalances. If you don't do something to counteract that while you're doing all these lifts under heavy load, um, you could be creeping further and further into injury. Also gives you more range of motion, gives you more mobility, may help you sleep. A lot of people have neck and back pain that could be somewhat alleviated through correctives and getting their muscle balance correct. Mm -hmm. And also, let's say you see a chiropractor on a regular basis. There are strength training exercises you can do to help keep that work they did in place. I'm not against chiropractic, but that by itself, just getting an adjustment and doing nothing to address the fascia is a mistake. It's just going to go right back to where it was if you're not doing something actively to change the musculature around those joints and bones. There's all different types of muscle fibers. You have type 1, type 2. Some are fast twitch, some are slow twitch. Some are more endurance-based, and some are more explosive. And so we'll use different rep ranges to, to hit those. And, and there's also different energy systems that correlate with some of those different groups. So basically, you have your explosive movements. That's going to tap, for our, for our really nerdy listeners, that's your ATP-PCR system, which is adenosine triphosphate phosphocreatine. And that burst of energy only lasts for a couple seconds. That's like mama bear's baby is trapped under a car, and she can actually create an amount of force to lift a 2,000-pound vehicle, but it's only going to last for two to three seconds. Mm. Occasionally, I like to train that, but that's probably what we're going to train the least because it's the most impactful on your joints. Now, some impact is a great thing because it tells your body to strengthen the area around the joints. But if we overdo that, 
then we very quickly see injury. I like a little bit of explosive training, taxing those explosive muscle fibers at ATP PCR system. And uh, now any weight-bearing activity can help with that, but particularly explosive training, clapping plyo push-ups, things like that, uh, squat jumps. And then we have more of our endurance-based muscles, which is the core muscles. Uh, They fire all day, every day, which is why we don't typically just do 10 to 12. We'll do more time-based. Those muscles can actually be trained every day if they're not sore. Um, But then your large muscle groups like your quads, your hamstrings, your chest and back, biceps, triceps, those types of muscle fibers need a little bit more recovery typically. Um, That's where we're tearing a lot of fiber. You may not be tearing as much fiber doing a core exercise, but you're certainly going to be tearing fiber, you know, lifting 250 pounds off the floor. If you're training for strength, that's going to be more like that three to five rep range. You're training more for, you know, sculpting, changing your body. It's more that 10 to 12 rep range. Um, And then our really endurance-based exercise is going to be like your group fitness where you're doing 200 squats in one class. Or I actually did a class with 200 push-ups, and those are the saddest-looking push-ups I've ever done in my life. (laughs) That's just a lot. Yeah, you did a workout with me once called the chipper <laughs> that was similar to that. It's like, I need you to do an, a crazy amount of all these things and just try to get as many done as you can with good form at a time. Yeah. And we were just there until I finished it. That was a tough one. So that's more CrossFit style. Um, now, I'm sure there's different types of CrossFit workouts. I'm not going to pretend to be a CrossFit expert. I'm not. But chippers are great challenges. I like to throw those throw those in sometimes as just kind of a benchmark of where are you? And then we can repeat that same workout and see if you can beat your time. So for instance, a hundred pushups, a hundred pull-ups and a hundred squats. And you can go in any order you want, do 20 of each or 10 of each, whatever you want, get through those with perfect form, uh, see how long it takes or yeah. give yourself a time limit to beat it in. So if you were to throw a workout like that in for somebody and you wanted to benchmark it, are you talking like do that every two months kind of, is that your timeline or is it? It could be any timeline, uh, but I do think it usually takes around four weeks to really see significant adaptation. Gotcha. But Uh, I would not recommend that to somebody just starting. So you've got like your ab muscles, which can be worked out all the time if you're not sore. You've got the fast twitch muscles that are explosive, explosive that you recommend the least. So where's the bread and butter muscle group that you're spending the most of your time on? Chest, back, legs, for sure. I mean, those that's where we're going to get three sets, 10 to 12, and work every single week. But but that's the most important areas to spend your and your core. Yeah. Because if your core is weak, you're looking at back issues, joint issues. You're going to get injured very quickly. Uh, so core, I try and train every day that the client's not sore, even up to seven days a week. Uh, but most people, three or four days a week is more realistic. You were talking about how it's important to train the front muscles in your leg and the back muscles in your leg. And I've heard you refer to it as push and pull with me. Yeah. Um, and there's different, and we've been doing lately for the last couple of weeks, we've been doing like a push day and a pull day. We still work all the same groups, but we focus on one side of the muscle. Right. So there's different ways to set up workout. There's agonist protagonist couplings. For instance, if you do a bench press for your chest, your back is stretched. And if you do a row for your back, your chest is stretched. So those two muscle groups work in tandem. Uh, So when your chest is contracted, the back is stretched, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one grouping, in which case that split would be a chest and back day, a bicep and tricep day, and a quadriceps and hamstring day. But what we're doing now is a little bit different. It's a push-pull day. So when I do a bench press, there's an assisting muscle, which is the tricep. So chest, triceps, quadriceps, and shoulders would all be on one day, which is the anterior or the front of your body. 
And then on the other day, we'll hit all the posterior muscles, which is hamstrings, glutes, low back, mm-hmm. calves, and biceps. They actually help with rowing those shits. And one of the things that you make me do <laughs> that's, that's very challenging <laughs> is we'll slow down one part of the exercise to focus on that, that part of the muscle. Uh, the eccentric portion of the lift versus the concentric portion. So another way to create quote-unquote muscle confusion um, and to get some different training stimuli is to change the tempo, which we talked about at the very beginning of the show. So the concentric portion of the lift is when the intended target muscle is contracted or shortened. So when you do a chest press, as you press those dumbbells up, that's the concentric. As you lower the arms back down and stretch the chest, that's the eccentric or the lengthening portion. If you slow down that eccentric portion, you're putting more time under tension on the stretch portion, which is where the muscle tear happens. That's where we're creating those uh, micro tears in the muscle. Uh, so we can slow that down and get more of that effect and a higher uh, metabolic boost and potentially faster strength uh, gains and muscle gain as well. So sometimes I'll have people slow down the eccentric portion. Uh, and then on the way up, the concentric, we're working on strength, not so much on the damage part, but the strengthening, the recruitment of muscle fiber, being making that more efficient. Uh, so both are important, and I think it's it's good to slow down both. But a normal tempo workout would be two counts on the concentric, so up two on the chest press, and three counts down on the eccentric mm-hmm. with a pause at the top and a pause at the bottom. So it'll be up two, pause, down two, three, pause. And that would be one rep. Now, if we wanted to focus on the eccentric, I may have them go up in one or two counts and down in anywhere from five to ten counts and really slow down that stretch. Kind of like we do with the jumping chin-ups, mm-hmm. where you'll you'll jump and cheat up on the way up on the chin-up and then slow down on the way and get that stretch. Which is great for the exercises that you're getting me going through where I don't really have the strength to do a whole eight to ten rep in that particular range of motion yet. But we can still get the benefit of 10 reps of eccentric, uh, which is the, the most metabolism boosting and, and muscle growing part of the movement anyway, which could eventually give you the strength and muscle you need to do in regular tempo. Um, in fact, that's a good way to start with push-ups. A lot of people can't do push-ups starting out, so but they can slowly lower themselves to the floor, cheat the way back up, like using their knees and pushing off their hands, and then they can slowly come down with perfect form. I've coached push-ups that way, and people were able to, to do more and more push-ups quicker using that technique. Uh, I do want to take a minute and talk about overtraining and what are some signs and symptoms you can tell if, if you're doing too much if your recovery is getting slower and slower and you're just sore all the time, that's a good sign you're probably overtraining. So other things is if your immune system starts to take a hit, you're getting sick more often. And this, this happens more so with, with cardio, I think, chronic cardio, but, but it can also happen with too much strength training. I mean, you're just not seeing that recovery if you're not getting sleep and things like that. You may be overstimulating your nervous system. Yeah. What's the appropriate amount of time to be sore? Should you always be sore after you work out? This can be different for everyone. It may depend on what recovery techniques they're using, what types of supplementation. Mm. I know when my supplement game was at 100%, I was almost never sore, and it didn't matter what I did. If I was doing contrast therapy, going from hot to cold water, using the sauna and steam room, and I was taking pre-workout, post-workout, and like all the things, uh, I was almost never sore. 
But most people, like even now, I can't afford to keep that up, so I'm not. So it's less about, like, here's the prescribed amount of time you should be sore, but how do you train yourself to listen to your body? Exactly. Every single person is going to be different. Uh, but generally speaking, there's something called DOMS, which stands for Delayed Onset of Muscle Soreness. We're typically two to three days after working a particular muscle group, it may all of a sudden become sore. Oh, I didn't know it had a name, but yeah. that, I've seen that in my life before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's normal. That's okay. But if we work legs on Monday and they're still killing you on Friday or Saturday, you probably overdid it a little bit. Or you're just starting out and your body, it's just going to be rough for a while. But you shouldn't chronically be that sore all the time. We don't want it to have life debilitating soreness. Is soreness the way that you can tell that you got muscle tear or is that an oversimplification? That's an oversimplification. Some people um, never feel it. Some people feel it all the time. But, you know, sometimes I think it could be a good sign that you've, especially if you've just changed your workout technique, like when we started doing triple contractions, you're like, oh man, I'm a little bit more sore than I normally am. That could be a sign of breaking into some new muscle fiber. But I wouldn't use it as a rule. If you're not sore, you're not seeing progress. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But again, for this to be sustainable, it shouldn't be debilitating. Like there are times I literally could not go up the stairs. Like I was pulling myself up by the rail. That's probably too much, <laughs> at least for my goals. Now, some people are into that. They love that. Like they, they want to not be able to get up. If you're into that, I, you're that probably... Me, maybe you don't have anything to do that day, but most of us <laughs> have something we got to do. You know, I think I think my niche and, and the general population of my listeners, that's not really what we're after. Kind of a nice little overview if you're just brand new to strength training. Optimally, if you, if you are a member of a gym and they offer any kind of consult, even if you're not necessarily interested in buying training, which you might. I think it's a good idea if you can afford it. I have a trainer. But if you can have them watch some of those uh, movement patterns we talked about, the squat, the deadlift, primarily chest press and some kind of row. If not, YouTube's a great resource. But you want to do a three to five minute warm up. You want to make sure you hit the legs, the chest and the back if you, and do something for the core. You know, I think plank's a good place to start uh, and glute bridges, hip bridges. And, and you can make sure you've, you've with the weighted exercises, you fatigue in an 8 to 12 rep range. Find a weight that you could do with perfect form um, that fatigues you at the end of 8 to 12 reps. So if you get the 14 reps, it's too light. If you can only get the 7, it's too heavy. Um, and you can create a 30-minute workout just on those parameters with 3 to 5-minute work uh, warm-up. You do uh, one lighter set for the legs. Then you do two heavy sets. Then you do one lighter set for the chest, two heavy sets. And same thing for the back. But that could be a nice 30-minute workout to get you started. There's apps out there. There's programs. There's all kinds of things. And you don't have to be spending two and a half hours in the gym to see any significant difference. Uh, 30 minutes a day of lifting in that 8 to 12 rep range, not only will you uh, start to see progress with your physique and your metabolism, um, but that also is the recommended rep range to help train stress hormone like cortisol patterns, which can start regulating your sleep better as well. So there's a lot of benefits, and that's why I choose that rep range. So, so that's kind of your, your quick start guide. And if you wanted to, uh, I'd be happy to do a consult with anybody that just wanted uh, some hands-on instructions. So uh, feel free to reach out to me at firewithinnf.com. We could schedule a time to meet. I could take you through that as well. So I hope you guys learned a, a few pieces of information about strength training. Uh, if you have any detailed questions or anything I didn't answer, please send me a message. I'd be glad to get back to you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. 
Also, be sure to follow us on social media.